Hey, it's Chris here. I've got a quick question for you. What are you doing November 9 through to the 11th this year, 2019? If you're available, I want you to consider coming to our annual conference, which takes place in London, England, every single November. It's called the Youpreneur Summit, and it is the UK's number one online entrepreneurship conference. But don't let the fact that we're using the word UK in there spoil it for you. In fact, actually, we've now had people from over 40 countries around the world attend the event since we started it in 2017. This year, you're going to get the opportunity to learn from people like Todd Herman. Hal Elrod, JJ Virgin, Sue B. Zimmerman, Phil Jones, and a host of other incredible entrepreneurs and extremely successful business owners. And we would love for you to be able to come and spend some time with us, learn lots, mastermind plenty, network like your life depended on it, and go away from the event ready to take on the world more than ever before. The first two years sold out months before the conference even took place, and we doubt that 2019 is going to be any different. So head over to youpanasummit.com right now to secure your ticket. That's youpanasummit.com. I'll see you in London. This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community. A place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now, now. here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to episode number 337 of Youpreneur FM. I'm your host, Chris Ducker, and you, my good friend, are in the right place if you are an entrepreneur that wants to build a powerful, future-proof business based around your personality, your experience, and the people that you want to serve. Yes, welcome to the world of the Youpreneur. Oh, we've got such a good conversation today with my good friend, Kevin Cruz, back on the show, I think, for his third stint here with us over the course of 300 or so episodes. We like to bring him back every 100 or so episode. Fantastic conversation with Kevin on what we really need to do as leaders now going forward in today's very busy, very changing world. However, before we get cracking, just a quick reminder that Youpreneur FM is brought to you by the Youpreneur Mastermind community, the premier online community for entrepreneurs wanting to build a profitable, sustainable business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. Community members get exclusive access to our acceleration training library, which includes everything you'll need to know to build, market, and monetize a successful business. And couple that together with our monthly mastermind calls, discounted tickets to our live events, and access to our enthusiastic, supportive member-only forums, and you've got everything you need to succeed. If you're serious about building the business of you, as I call it, and in the most rewarding profitable way possible, then you must join us. So be sure to head over to youpreneur.com today for more info. So on to that conversation with Kevin. Now he says, and get this, okay, this this is like serious stuff here. We need to just look at this for a minute and, and, and just hit the pause button here. He says that great leaders have no 
rules. Actually, that's the title of his new book and a brand new business model that he's building around that book as well, which is really, really exciting and very interesting from a Youpreneur ecosystem perspective as well. But imagine having no rules. Why should we have no rules as leaders? A very interesting conversation. We go deep on this, particularly when it comes to the robots coming to wipe out us humans, um, AI and all that stuff as well. Very insightful stuff. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Here's myself and Kevin. Kevin, welcome back to the show, my man. Hey, it's great to be here. Love talking with you, Chris. Well, it's great to have you back on the show. I mean, you're a busy boy. You, I mean, you, it seems like, how many books have you written now? Like 17 something? <laughs> Almost. This will be the ninth. Wow. I mean, that's just, it's impressive, man. I mean, I know how much work goes in to each book I've written, which is only two currently. <laughs> and I think that the, the, the idea of writing nine is crazy. But, and this is the reason why I want you on the show. I mean, yes, a new book is out. You guys, I can't wait to dig into this. And, and in all transparency, I have not read the entire book yet. <laughs> uh, but I'm so looking forward to digging in deep here. Great leaders have no rules is the title of the book. And I love this. I see myself as a leader more so than uh, any other sort of type of label. Um, as I do, many people that listen to this podcast also do as well. And what I love about this is that this kicks off a brand new business for you. And this is a thing that you've done several times now. You kind of write a new book, start a new business, start a new business, write a new book. It's a thing for Kevin. <laughs> Prove that a little bit. Yeah. Well, Chris, you know, I think they go hand in hand and um, I, like you, I mean, anyone who's had any kind of business success, you'll get people come up and say, Oh, you know, what's your advice? I want to start a company someday, et cetera. And people are often surprised. I always say the first thing you need to do, whether you want to be a great solopreneur and, and, and consultant or speaker or build a big business, it doesn't matter is write a book, write a book. And I, I've done it. Um, I mean, I've had, uh, I've started or co-founded and sold uh, five different companies. Now I've started and failed at some of the other companies I've started early on. And the big difference marketing wise was the ones that failed. I didn't start out by writing a book. The ones that I've had the biggest success, I've always started uh, by doing a book. Um, huh. and, and it's part of it is, is, I think it's easier to brand a person than a company. And if you plan to build a big company, that can be a little bit of a, of a problem down the road because then, you know, if, uh, if you named your business after yourself and you sell the business, you've just sold your name as an example. But in most cases, uh, you know, in, especially in this day and age, to cut through the clutter, to, gear, to build trust, uh, people want to know who is behind the business. You know, what are you as a person all about? They want to relate to a person, not, not a cold brand. So, you know, the, the, the root word of authority is author, my friend, Chris. And so, I always say just establish yourself as an authority, get your, your best brand out there, and then build a business around it. Uh, do, do you think that maybe having the book in place as well acts as maybe some as some sort of a, a road map, so to speak, like something to follow while you're developing and building that business as well? 
Yeah, that, that's right. I think now I, I don't like writing books. Either. I always say I like having written. I don't really like the writing part, but once it's done. I don't know a single author that really <laughs> the writing process. I, I genuinely, I don't. But then yeah, but I do believe actually I, I was speaking with a, um, with a, with a, a, a non or rather with a fiction author not so long ago. And she was telling me that she loves the writing process, but hates the marketing process. Mm. I think what it is actually, and I came to my own conclusion on this, is that creative people like fiction writers don't get marketing as well and therefore don't enjoy and prefer to enjoy the more creative side of the work, which is writing and developing the story. Whereas us entrepreneurs, us business people, we get the marketing angle totally. We just hate doing the work. We'd rather just have it done and market. Would you agree? I would agree. And I evolved on this issue a little bit because I think what both the creative person, the fiction writer, and then the entrepreneur marketers, what we have in common is sort of the power of storytelling. And so the fiction writer knows about building stories in, in her, her books. She needs to embrace that storytelling part of marketing. And you and I have talked about this earlier on, on a few occasions. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're doing our job uh, building our brands, I mean, one of the first things we've got to do is kind of think about like, what is our zero to hero story? You know, what's, what's that story journey? And then as we start to uh, evolve with our customers, it's not so much that we're the hero anymore, but we're now the, the guide. We're the Yoda teaching the Luke Skywalkers of the world, you know, how to, how to take down a Death Star. So I think um, See, that's where the commonality is. Problems having you come back on the show because you start dropping Star Wars references, <laughs> I instantly get excited. <laughs> I, you, 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 you can come back whenever you want. <laughs> but just don't turn it into a, a, like a, a quiz show because I'm going to fail miserably. I'll, I'll be bad at the details. <laughs> I, hear you. I mean, look, we had Tom Ziegler on the show a few weeks back. He didn't mention Star Wars once. Where do you think he's going to be invited back? It ain't. <laughs> I'm just joking. Sir, Sir Tom, you are welcome anytime you want, man. Um, so, okay, let's break down the book a little bit then. I and mean, then if, if it's okay, as we sort of kind of wrap up the chat, yeah. circle back and see how you're going to develop the business around this. Um, big thing here for me, as a, a person who employs hundreds and hundreds of people, as you well know, you say you've got to close your open door policy. This is something that's been around for a long time in corporate speak. Break that down because that for me was a big one. Yeah, that's right. It, it's so, you know, it, the book is about leadership, but broadly speaking, you know, it all starts with self-leadership. You know, how do we be more productive and be more engaged in what we do? And it's, we lead our families, same thing. And at work, it's how do we get productive and also engage our, our team members, you know, keep them happy and retained. And that open door policy, I mean, first of all, it's, it's from a long time ago when people actually had offices and doors and now it's cubes or work from wherever you are. But metaphorically, you know, that dreaded got a minute, you know, knock on your door. Now it's a tap on your shoulder at your workstation, or it's the buzz of your phone as someone through Slack is saying, Hey, do you got a minute? And the problem is twofold. First, the obvious problem is as the leader, as the manager, 
you never get any work done. It's very hard to get into the flow, get into the zone and do deep work when you've got this constant barrage of people coming through your quote unquote open door. But the other problem is, uh, you know, Marshall Goldsmith, the executive coach, he's done some research on this. That's great. He says, if someone's coming through your door all the time, if someone stops through once a day at Un, unplanned, unannounced. What's going on? Like, did you hire the wrong person? Did you not train them well? Did you not give them the tools they need? Mm. Or is there even like a, um, a problem with psychological safety where they're afraid to make a decision? They're afraid to implement that solution because they don't want to get, you know, yelled at or messed up or penalized in some way. So better than an always open door policy, it, you don't want to throw everything out, but it's more like close your door and open your calendar. You know, maybe it's office hours. So the last couple of hours of every day is the time for the pop-in meetings, or maybe it's every Friday and Monday, whatever it is, everybody can do what's right for their organization or their work style. But replace that, you know, open door policy with something that is more scheduled and consistent and push that decision-making, push that risk-taking back down on your team members. Interesting. Okay. So obviously as somebody who has virtual employees, as I know you do, and many, many people will do that are listening in as well, that, that, that sounds like a lot of sense, right? In regards to, okay, we're going to get together every Tuesday and Friday at 10 AM. And you know, at any other time, unless it's super urgent, we're not going to touch base kind of thing. Let's all get on with work. Let's push it through, blah, 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 blah. But let me ask you this question. How does that work then? in the world of the smartphone, right? Because we can say, well, I'm going to be speaking to Chris at 10 a.m. on Friday, but it's Wednesday and I could just send him a quick message on <laughs> Slack or something like that. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, well, we certainly train people how to treat us. <laughs> so when, 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 when I respond to that uh, Slack or that text message, you know, from Chris, you know, out of the blue and I respond in one minute and answer his question, I just trained Chris that, hey, that's a great way to get a hold of Kevin and get my, my problem solved. Right. And again, I think the idea is not that smartphones are bad. I've got a smartphone, I use it, but I'm using it with intent. And it goes back to this broader idea of leadership. You want to live with intent. You want to lead with intent, intentionally. So instead of being like Pavlov's dog, where every time that phone buzzes, we're reaching for it and looking and half the time it's a waste of time. And now we've just interrupted our, our flow, our zone. Instead, you know, put that thing on airplane mode. Don't let Slack interrupt you until you're ready to process. Instead of checking your phone, you're going to process your phone. I like that. For some of us, you know, maybe it's every hour, others three times a day, you know, to each their own. Okay. I love this. Okay. So also in the book, you talk about being likable, um, but not liked, which I think is a very interesting concept because here I am always talking about the fact that you've got to be loved. People <laughs> love you, not just like you, and that you've got to become somebody's favorite. But you also talk about why, even if you don't like somebody particularly, you got to love pretty much everyone. Break that down as well, those two things. Yeah, you know, this this was my greatest failure in my 20s as a, as a young entrepreneur uh, without any like official leadership training and, and or anything like that. I mean, it was all street smarts, which kept me pretty dumb for about a decade when it came to the people stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the, there's this legendary, you know, former coach, John Wooden, basketball coach, who used to, <laughs> every year, he's a college uh, coach. He had new players every 
every year. And he, his first lecture would be, I am not going to treat you all the same. I am going to play favorites and I'm not even going to like you all the same, but I will love you all the same. Mm. And it's talking about love at this higher level. You know, the Greeks called it like agape, you know, sort of a love for fellow uh, man and woman, you know, it's, it's a higher love. And so even if there's someone on your team that kind of irks you or their style's different, or you just don't like them that much, you can still love them and care about them on a higher level. And I think that's where it all starts, leadership coming from, from caring. And I mean, this sounds crazy, but think about your own kids. And, and you know, I've got three teenagers. There are days when I don't really feel like I like one of them because of the way they're acting. I want to get out of them. I don't want to have that conversation. I don't want to be in the same room with them. I want them to go out with their friends. I'm not really liking them. I still love them just as much as I always have. Okay. And in, in terms of that likable, you know, it's that need to be liked. If we need to be liked, then all of a sudden it slows down those tough decisions. It prevents us from giving that tough feedback. And most people, they got enough friends. They don't need their boss to be their friend. They need their boss to be a leader, to make them better, to help them with their career, and to, and to get that team, to get that company growing in the right direction. Love this. Okay, this is good. So, okay, that was a good answer. I didn't know whether I would agree with you on that. <laughs> that was actually pretty good. Um, I surprised you. Uh, there you go, you did. So, okay, let, let's, let's kind of hop around a little bit here. So, so your company is LeadX. Um, you focus on developing the leaders of the next generation, as you call it. So, kind of my question is... Um, how 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 does like the next generation of leaders differentiate? You know, how how are they different rather yeah. than the ones we've got right now, the ones that are sort of yesteryear? I mean, what do you see? What are you focusing on when yeah. you're talking <clears throat> next generation leaders? Well, there, there's been some big research studies and the way we lead, the way we influence people, you know, people haven't changed that much. So the principles are the same, but the way we learn about it is, is evolving or want to learn about it. So we're entering the age of millennial managers, you know, millennials are 25 to 35 ish first time managers, average age is around 30. That cohort, these first time managers, they don't want to sit in a room of PowerPoints and learn about leadership like that. They want it personalized. They want to be coached. They want it to be on demand. So this is going to sound a little crazy, Chris, but like I was semi-retired for almost eight years. And then I took all of my money. I had read about Elon Musk doing this and it inspired me. So I took all of my money, dumped it into LeadX just over two years ago, and we built the world's first executive coach with IBM Watson. So it's the first AI coach. And um, we released it just uh, uh, late last year. And it's a new way for leaders to, uh, you know, new managers to learn about leadership and get, get coaching from a, from a robot. This is interesting. Okay. So AI, it's huge. You know, it's 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 here already. It's coming for us, whether we like it or not, right? Um, I'm aware, you know, I was just having a conversation with my daughter who's finishing up her last year at university right now in London. And she was saying that she feels like a lot of what she's being taught as a business communications and marketing major, a lot of what she's being taught is fundamentally going to be robot-powered maybe three, four, five, six years from now, where does that leave her? And I was like, well, you know, you can always come and work for me, but 
I'm joking. But, but I mean, obviously I would pay my daughter well. Uh, but, but no, but what I'm getting at is like, how is that going to affect? I mean, it's great and everything. And I agree with you that, you know, the millennial crowd, they want everything on demand, they want everything now, you know, um, access to everything, not owning anything at all, though, you know, mm. that sort of stuff. Like, how is that going to affect things in the future in, in regards to the whole AI side of things? <clears throat> Chris, I think, you know, people worry about uh, the robots are coming for our jobs. What's going to happen first? Sorry, dude. We've, we've been hearing about this for like 40 years. <laughs> this is becoming a reality now. It, what's what's going to happen first, the robots are going to take our boss's jobs. So in five years, 67% of all managers will be replaced by AI. That's and ridiculous. we are going to love our new robot boss more than we love our current boss. Because, why? Because, and why 67%? That's the percentage of, of people who are not engaged at work. The leaders who know how to engage and motivate their team members, that 33% roughly, they'll keep their jobs. All those other managers are ineffective and a robot can do a better job. And here's why. We all have those bosses, so the ones who don't engage us, who they don't look up from their laptop when they're talking to us. They don't make eye contact. They don't know the names of our children. They're boring. They're dumb. They're mean. They're unfair. They have unconscious bias. All of these things. The robot, not only is the robot impersonal and going to be sort of algorithm driven, but we as humans always personalize, humanize our objects. We give names to our cars. Uh, soldiers in the Middle East cry when their robot, uh, robots in the field get blown up. Um, we are going to humanize our robot bosses. And our robot boss, they're going to know everything about us. Chris, they're going to know your personality, your strengths, every experience you've ever had. They're going to remember your career aspirations. They're going to every day be matching, looking for opportunities for you to join a committee, uh, go join a networking group, etc. They're going to remember that your kid's birthday is this weekend and on your way out, hey, happy birthday to your daughter. It's a big one. She's turning 21. Uh, your robot boss will be better than your human boss. You see this, some of that, I would agree, is good. <laughs> Right. Some of it is good. There's no doubt about that. But some of it is not so good. Some of it is downright scary to me. Maybe I'm, I mean, you and I are roughly the same age. So yeah. I'm going to insult you by saying maybe I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> Although I just did. Um, but I, I just, I do, I kind of feel like, I mean, I, I think we should embrace, look, technology in general should be embraced. I, I genuinely, truly do wholeheartedly believe that across the board. But there are certain things like this, for example. I mean, I look back at some of my mentors, and I've had two or three really important mentors in my life that I feel, yeah, okay, sure, I might have been able to learn, you know, a lot of what they taught me via a robot type of setup. Um, but I wouldn't have had those relationships to pull back on to recall to talk about with my family, with my friends and clients and things like that. Is this not maybe something that will become a little sterile? <laughs> well, I would say, first of all, we, this will occur and we won't know what's happening because right now the average manager might, let's just call it, uh, you know, manage 10 people. We'll call that that's their span of control. Mm -hmm. 
But we already know that's increasing because of budget cuts. So most managers now, they used to manage six people on average. Now it's 10, soon it'll be 15, then 20, then 30. And as span of control gets bigger, they can't, they don't have the time to meet with Chris once a week the way, you know, she used to. Then it's every two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. So it will be a long time before we even know that our robot boss is our boss. We're just going to think, oh, wow, now my one-on-one meeting is every two weeks. Now it's three weeks. Finally, HR says, hey, in between your meeting once a month with your human boss, just go check in with, uh, you know, robo boss just to, just to have fun, check in, get some feedback. And that's how it's going to start to happen. You'll still have your human boss, but with less connection. Now, Chris, I would like to think that you and I, we would make great mentors, we'd make great bosses, and we will keep our roles because of that. And we're high performers. We know how to get to our bosses and and build that relationship. So I think a lot of people will be just fine. I think it's replacing the ineffective bosses. And uh, (laughs) I'm trying to put the best spin on this, Chris, but basically it's inevitable. Yeah, you say it, man, (laughs) just say it. It's just basically... It's just basically inevitable. But the the robot designers are going to do everything they can to make it feel like a human experience. Again, AI can look at our face and know if we're stressed out or not. They can analyze our email patterns and know if we're increasing our stress levels. Your current boss can't do that. So now you pick, just like you're picking your game avatar, you know what, this week I want my boss to look like... um, uh, Winston Churchill. And next week, I, I want my boss to look like Mick Jagger. And right. the persona we can pick, and that persona will relate to our specific personality. So we might feel like we've got a better connection with the AI agent than we do a lot of humans in our life. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I, let's, let's park this discussion. I feel like <laughs> we can go back and forth for ages on it. But what the most important thing, actually, that we'll take away from this, actually. I, and I think you, you clearly said that like people like mentors and, and you know, the, a lot of the youpreneurs out there that do this one-on-one coaching and right. that sort of thing, like that ultimately can't be replaced to a certain degree because people will always want to do business with other people with that sort of type of thing. But I think also to get to that end goal of working or, you know, landing new coaching clients, for example, we can use AI and we already are with things like Mm. pixels for Facebook advertising and stuff like that. Like a lot of that stuff is already there and already supporting us in our marketing efforts, particularly. So it ain't a bad thing. I think we just got to, we've, like you say, we won't even realize until it's kind of upon us. And then it's like, oh yeah, cool. That, that, that kind of works. And Chris, let me just leave with this last uh, thought to underscore that is I would encourage all the youpreneurs out there to be thinking about, okay, if AI evolves the way this crazy Kevin Cruz guy says, what part of what I offer cannot be replaced? And part of that's gonna be process and talent, but also your brand. People, look, If let's say we wanna learn about time management. There's a thousand time management coaches out there, right? I'm gonna pick the one who I want to work with because of who they are. There's always only one of you. So you just have to be unique, position, and tell that story and then the robots and the other human coaches won't be able to beat you. See, guys, I've been talking about this for years on this show, and here's somebody else telling you exactly how it is. You've got to listen to me. You have to. <laughs> um, okay, you, you also talk about, and this is a very interesting one as well, and this won't necessarily um, 
kind of relate to everyone tuning in. So I, I want to skate on this, not go too deep. Um, but you talk about revealing kind of like everything about the company and everything about what you're doing, even people's salaries, which I think for a lot of people, like that, you know, it's kind of the most personal thing that happens right. at work. Explain your thought process on that a little bit. Sure. Well, again, Chris, you know, like old school wisdom, you and I remember it well, you know, you're raised, like there are certain things you don't talk about, especially right. salary is just not, not what is done. And companies used to, you know, that was like a, a, a rule, another rule. You just don't talk about that. The reality is now this day and age, both with the technology power and the generation that both of our daughters, you know, are, are now in, they don't care as much about privacy and they're more open about these things. So anyone can already kind of go on to salary.com or Payscale or these other services and see what going rates are. And often if you're in a big company, what the, you know, uh, software programmer level two is making in my own uh, company. And as we see with like gender pay disparities, you know, secrecy is not a very good thing in terms of, yeah. of equality. Yeah. So if you're not willing to share your salary information, you just need to challenge yourself. Well, why is that? Have I, maybe I haven't thought through why uh, one person is making X and the other person's making Y. When you've thought through your system, then you know you're, you're on solid ground. And I think this is where a lot of the, uh, the Silicon Valley companies do very well. I mean, they have a formula. They'll say, you know, we, we start at 70% of going rate as measured by this service. And we're going to up it, you know, $2,000 or pounds or euros or whatever it is on these criteria, you know, and I think having that kind of system takes all that bias out and gets everybody on the, on the same page. But even as a youpreneur or a small business, you like right now, we, in my own company, we messed up something really bad about three days ago. We introduced a bug that broke coach Amanda for, for a lot of people. Now I could hide that. I could make an excuse. I could tell people not to talk about it. We are currently crafting a, a fall on my sword apology saying, Hey, this AI stuff is hard, but that's no excuse. It's, you know, we've, this is what we're going to do to fix it. This is what we're going to make amends. And hopefully people that will drive trust, trust in me, trust in the brand and that, Hey, we're going to know exactly what's going on and there will be ups and downs, but we're going to be in this journey for the long haul. I love that. Okay, great. All right. So I guess I'm probably my, my kind of final deep dive here. Um, as we kind of wrap up here is, is leadership. And, and you talk about this in the book. I know leadership is not a choice. Many people think that it is something that you choose to do, uh, and, and, you know, a career an avenue that you choose to walk down, but you're saying it's not a choice per se. Why is that? Yeah. Yeah. It, what was really wrong many decades ago is when they, when people thought leadership was about authority and power. And then, you know, 10, 20 years ago that evolved and said, Hey, you know, you don't need power authority to be a leader. It's about influence. You can choose to be a leader. You choose to make a difference. But I say that's correct. Leadership is influence. And if that's true, then we are all leading 
all of the time because we're always influencing. Psychologists call it social contagion. And it's funny how, how behavioral psychology works. If you and I don't know each other and we're in the, the cafeteria line, the buffet line, and uh, I grab the, the fruit cup instead of the French fries, you're a little more likely to grab the fruit cup. Uh, they've shown a, a study, if you buy something on an airplane, the people sitting in your row, even if they don't know you, they're not related, they're more likely to buy something as well. Um, so there's all, we, Im, we influence people all of the time. Our emotions are contagious. And so if you think about that, leadership is not a choice. We are leading all the time. It's critical that you lead with intent. You know, you're leading your kids down one path or another. Am I going to make it home for dinner tonight to have dinner with the family? Yes or no. Now, you can't do it all the time, but just know one choice leads in one direction, another choice leads another. Am I going to have date night with this uh, spouse this week or am I going to blow it off and stay in the office? One choice leads in one direction and take it from me, another choice leads you slightly down another direction. At work, the same thing. Do you walk the halls with a smile, making eye contact, asking people how their weekend was, or do you put your head down, hope nobody stops you so you can race back to the next meeting? We are leading all of the time. I agree with that 100%. And, you know, I love the fact that you say, you know, when you do this, this isn't going to happen and so on. I mean, I've been saying it for years that when you say yes to something, you instantly at the very same time say no to something else. Bingo. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, man. Um, What a great chat. As always, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. For you guys tuning in, if you want to find out a little bit more about the book, you can head over to No Rules Leadership. Dot com. You can search for Great Leaders Have No Rules on Amazon and in all good bookstores and all that fun stuff as well. Kevin, we will put links to that, by the way, and everything else that we've gone through here, including LeadX and everything, over on the show notes, youpano.com forward slash 337. Kevin, thank you, brother, for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Chris, it was a lot of fun. And uh, hey, may the force be with you. And with you, my brother, with you. For you guys tuning in, go swing your lightsabers and think of me and Kevin today. I'll be back at you again next week. Until then, take great care. Bye for now. If you enjoyed today's show, I'd love for you to check out the Youpreneur Mastermind Community. It's the go-to resource for everyone wanting to build a profitable, future-proof business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. So whether you're just starting out or if you've been working hard on your personal brand and building your online platform for a while, the Youpreneur Mastermind Community can help you take everything you've been doing to the next level. With lots of training, live mastermind calls, and thriving community forums where you can get the feedback, advice, and more energy and encouragement than you'll know what to do with, the Youpreneur Mastermind community is the perfect place for anyone wanting to learn how to build, market, and monetize their personal brand. For more info and to get started on your new Youpreneur journey, head over to youpreneur.com today. I'll see you on the inside.